Good morning, everybody. It is Friday, finally Friday. Uh, it's good to see you this morning. My name is Tim Harris. This is Tim with Tim. And uh, it is the end of another week and the end of a good week in the Word. We've been in the book of Isaiah all week long. And today we are putting two chapters together, chapters 34 and 35. They go together. Um, it's not that they're twin chapters. They're almost like a mirror image of each other. Chapter 34 is this incredible reversal of creation. Things are doomed and devastated. But then chapter 35 presents this most beautiful picture of restoration. And, and God begins again, and I love it so much. Let's talk about it. Chapter 34 begins with this summons to the world, this summons, international summons. It's almost like a court case you know, to come and listen to the verdict. Uh, Let the world and everything in it hear my words, the Lord says. The Lord is enraged against all the nations. Uh, uh, it's interesting because, I, I'm, as you probably know, most of the nations don't necessarily assume that they answer to God, You know, especially in our day and age. People assume that everybody's got their own truth and all roads lead to the same heaven. And, and so therefore, you do you and I'll do me. But you know, here, God makes it plain, no. Uh, everybody answers to the Lord. There's one maker of heaven and earth. There's one shepherd of every soul, and his name is the Lord. And in this particular chapter, it begins with this calling all the nations in. You know, God is sovereign over all the nations. God governs every nation, whether or not they acknowledge him or not. And so this big court case is called in and everybody's, you know, called in, you know, to stand before the judge. But honestly, the thing here is that we go straight from summons, you know, to verdict. Um, there's really not even a sense of what, what they did. You know, there's not an allegation, you know, there's, there, there's none of that. Uh, we don't know what their crimes are, only that obviously they, all the nations are held in defiance. You know, they are in defiance of God and his purposes. I think we all know that. And so the judgment just simply begins to fall. When my sword is finished, it's work in the heavens, it will fall upon Edom. Verse five is like, what? You know, we were, you know, in this big cosmic international you know, pronouncement of doom and destruction. And then all of a sudden we focus in on Edom, you know, which is simply just one of, you know, the, the neighbors of the, um, the people of God. Don't forget that Edom is sort of a, a brother nation to Israel. Edom, they're the descendants of, of Esau, you know, the brother of Jacob. And so Edom and Israel are always sort of portrayed as these brothers, but these brothers who were always in strife, always somehow uh, connected and also, uh, you know, uh, at odds with one another. Uh, Edom, of course, in the book of Obadiah is, is, uh, is spoken against, more or less for the simple reason that when God's people are attacked, Edom tends to do nothing, or Edom just tends to stand by and let the nations have their way with Israel. Uh, so it's a brother, but it's kind of a, a good-for-nothing brother. Um, in this particular instance, I think that Isaiah is using Edom as a stand-in for any of the nations, any of the neighbors, uh, neighboring nations that, um, uh, that are in defiance of the Lord or otherwise turning against God's own people. Uh, so this, this dark, dark word of destruction and doom uh, against Edom, uh, again, uh, probably a stand-in for any of the enemies of the Lord. 
there's kind of a pivotal point there uh, in verse eight where that you know turns toward revenge. Edom will be paid back for all it did. Uh, this whole notion of of revenge and God's vengeance, you know, on Edom, but also on the world, you know, what's that about? It it, it seems to have three bases in in the book of Isaiah. First off, just that basic sense of retribution for Judah, you know, for the Jews, uh, for Israel. Uh, it's that you know that basic uh, uh, sense of you know somehow paying back what they've done against God's people, the Jews. Second of all. It's just an assertion of God's own sovereignty. God created the world, and, and he is the only one able to say if it is fulfilling his purposes. He brought the world into existence. He can erase it, and so he is sovereign and can do what he pleases with his own creation. And then lastly, it's just as, in my mind, I know it's strange to say it's comforting, but the idea that, you know, the creation that God has made, it bends toward justice and that there is justice and that it looks like, you know, in the world that evildoers and evil nations just have their way and get away with it, that there's nobody ever has to, you know, pay for what they've done. But Isaiah reminds us and passages like this remind us that in the end, God will call every soul, every nation into account. There is justice in the end. There's a score being kept and in the end, everything will be made right and God's judgment will be perfect. Uh, this kind of passage, as dark and gloomy as it seems, is a reminder of that, uh, that there is justice uh, in the universe and God will see to it. When I first read it, to be honest, uh, it got to this part where all the animals come crawling out and they take over and it sort of sounds like, you know, like the best humane society commercial ever, you know. None of these birds and animals will be missing. None will lack a mate. The Lord has promised it. He has surveyed and divided the land and deeded it over to the creatures. I'm like, oh, you know. Uh, you know, he wiped out the people because we're good for nothing, but the animals take over. You know, that sounds so sweet. And like I say, the humane society is going to love this. But then I read a little more closely, and that ain't what it's saying. <laughs> That's not what we're talking about here. Uh, it, it is true that God is going to reverse creation. You go back to verse 11 where it says he's going to measure it for chaos and destruction. Chaos in the Old Testament is just, it's, it's like what, you know, everything was like before God came in in, in Genesis and, and brought order to the chaos. He divided light from darkness and dry land from water. You know, he just divides and brings order to the chaos. But here, man, it's just going to be this inversion. Everything goes back to chaos. So it's incompatible with human life. But then notice that the animals that come and take over, y'all, they're not the cute ones, you know. It's more like the desert animals, the hy the hyenas, you know, the night creatures that come out and 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 eat, you know, the roadkill. We're talking about possums here. We're talking about, you know, the owls, the buzzards, you, you know. So it's not a picture of everything going back to the Garden of Eden with all the cute animals, you know. No, no, no. This is just like, man, I tell you, it's going to be a good day for buzzards. I mean, that's what he's saying. It's going to be a great day to be a hyena, you know, the the, the scavenger animals, the unclean animals, that sort of thing. Uh, but notice that uh, these low-life unclean animals still come at God's summons and they obey his purposes perfectly, which is more than you can say for, uh, you know, your kids and us. And so th there you go. Uh, but then chapter 35 is beautiful. 
You know, as I say, they go together. They're absolutely, you know, paired together. You have this incredible chapter 34, this, you know, these words of negation and devastation. And then chapter 35, it's just restoration. All those words rhymed, didn't they? I sound like a Baptist preacher. Uh, you know, devastation, degradation, restoration. Uh, oh my goodness. Uh, when I read it, I, I did. I read it as this beautiful, you know, word for the world, for the nations, but also, it, it, it's just, it's personal too, right? You know, because does your life ever just seem like unfit for human habitation? I mean, just the devastation, the degradation. I mean, all of that. Does your heart just seem like a good place for buzzards? You know. Um, I just love how in chapter thirty-five, that turning point there in verse four, where it says, "You know, here is your God." You know, and with this news, strengthen those who have tired hands and encourage those who have weak knees. I mean, is that you? Are you just you feeling weak and tired and and enfeebled? Because this is a great word for you. When he comes, he will open the eyes of the blind. He will unplug the ears of the deaf. The lame will leap like a deer. Those who cannot speak will sing for joy. I mean, have you felt like you haven't had a song to sing? you know, in forever, you know, because this is God's promise that he's going to, he's going to give you a new song to sing. You know, chapter 35, for all of the terribleness of chapter 34, chapter 35 is the promise that God's going to begin again, and he's going to begin again for you. A great road will go through that once deserted land. It's going to be called the highway of holiness. You know, you know, it's that idea that, you know, oh my goodness, we haven't heard from God. I haven't seen God in ages. And all of a sudden, you know, there's this highway and he's going to come to you. I mean, this becomes a theme in Isaiah, you know, it's going to be a highway. He, he's not going to take the slow road. You know, I'm thinking about my mom and dad who will go nearly anywhere as long as there's an old road to get there. You know, they'll get on the old 30. W, you know, and, and whatever, and drive to Australia if they can, but they're not going to get on the highway, you know. But the point is, God is is on the move, and He is coming, you know, the, the, the quickest route to get to you, and it's going to be the highway of holiness, you know. Those who have been ransomed by the Lord will return. It's this idea of, of coming home again. Sorrow and mourning will disappear and they will be filled with joy and gladness. Oh, wow. You know, you're reading chapter 34. You don't really imagine that you're reading something that's going to end with the words, they will be filled with joy and gladness. But that is what God is doing in your life. I know right now it may seem like, you know, your whole life is going to be taken over by buzzards and hyenas. But no, no, no. What God is doing in your life ends with these words, sorrow and mourning will disappear and they will be filled with joy and gladness. Oh, you know, I'm sitting by my mother's deathbed this week, and so those are pretty good words for me. Sorrow and mourning will disappear, and they will be filled with joy and gladness because uh, all, all God's people are going to get to come home. Uh, I love that. That, my friend, is what God is doing. That's what he's doing. Don't ever forget that. We're going to pick up right here on Monday morning, chapter 36, Lord willing. Uh, it's going to change big time. Uh, we're going to go into a prose section. In other words, not this prophetic poetry, but we're going to go into prose. And honestly, we're going to cover some familiar territory. It's part of why I wanted to do Isaiah right after 2 Kings, because um, Isaiah, starting in chapter 36, goes right back to the stories we were reading in 2 Kings 
chapters 18, 19, and 20 right in there with King Hezekiah and the prophet Isaiah. So we'll pick up right there on Monday morning. Lord, I, I don't know what this weekend will, will have for me. I assume I'll preach on Sunday. I don't know at this point with, with our mom. Uh, I, I assume I'll see you on Monday morning. Uh, I'll probably pre-record Monday just in case. Of, you'll have a Tim with Tim on Monday one way or the other. But if I disappear after that, or if you're here, you'll, you'll know where I'll be. Uh, I love you guys. I appreciate your prayer so much. Uh, being in the Word with you is strength and uh, and uh, encouragement to my old bones. So thank you so much. I love you guys. Have a great weekend. God bless you. I'll see you Monday morning. Lord willing for 10 with uh, Have a good Friday.